Well, we are going to start a series this morning out of the book of 1 Samuel. It's a series I'm calling The In-Between. It's about transitions, really. Um, you know, it's frustrating to be in between two things sometimes, right? It's frustrating to be in that space um, where you're kind of done with one thing, but the next thing hasn't really started yet. When you give your two weeks notice at the job and you still have to show up every day at that job that you've already quit, knowing that the next job is around the corner, but you just can't go there yet. That's a frustrating in-between. Right? And, and it's I've been feeling that for the past few weeks. You know, I, I loved my time in Bloomingdale. I loved Alpha. But, um, you know, the closer I got to being your pastor at Garden City, the more anxious and antsy I was getting. It's like, why do I have to, why can't I just be there already? Why can't I just be at Garden City yet? I just want to start. And you know, my, my family and I have taken a, quite a number of stealth trips. And then eventually they weren't so stealthy because people were over at the parsonage. And we were, you know, we kind of spent more time over here driving around, making plans, seeing what our life was going to be like. Imagining what it would be like to live in this beautiful parsonage over here. Connecting with some of the folks on Facebook or, or in person. Getting to know this congregation just a little bit. Just wishing we could be here already. And I wanted to finish strong over there. But I wanted to just get started over here already. And it was kind of hard. And that kind of transition is something that I'm calling the in-between. And it's not unusual to be in an in-between. Every, every kind of body's kind of in-between something, isn't it? There's that time when you finished high school and you're done with that, but college hasn't started yet and you're just kind of bumming around your hometown waiting to get to Rome already so you can be at Barry College, right? It's, it's weird and it's frustrating. The in-between is that time after you've had the biopsy taken, but before you hear back from the lab. Those two or three business days where, oh, it's excruciating. Because you just can't wait to hear back. It's those last few years before retirement when you can see that on the horizon, but you still haven't drawn your pension yet. It's those nine excruciating months after you find out you're having a baby, but before the baby arrives, and you just want to meet this kid already, but you can't. And the woman is getting more and more uncomfortable, and her husband's getting more and more um, uncomfortable <laughs> by proxy. <laughs> it's, it's the in-between. Our denomination has been stuck in this extended in-between for years. It's frustrating. The in-between is, is any time you see that next thing on the horizon, but you just have to wait for it to get there. And so since I thought we're in this time of pastoral transition, this in-between too, um, you know, we're going to be in this place for a little while. There's this, this time where positionally I'm your pastor now. But relationally, we're still kind of strangers. We don't know each other yet. 
And so there's this in-between transition time where we're living into a new reality, but we're not all the way quite there yet. And that's why I wanted to preach this series about the in-between. So the in-between is, is about this person who has lived this so well. I mean, I can't think of a better example in Scripture than David. We all know about David, right? Our Bible stories about David, however, tend to skip over a very crucial in-between in his life. A lot of times when we talk about David, we talk about David killing Goliath, and then David being the king, who is the man after God's own heart. He kills Goliath, and then he becomes king. But actually, there's this kind of long period where David had been anointed king by Samuel. He had showed up and killed Goliath, but he wasn't king yet. Saul was still king. And so there was this significant portion of David's life sandwiched in here, and we just don't talk about this in between very much. Could you imagine how frustrating it must have been to know that this oil has already been poured on your head. God has said, you're going to be king of Israel. God said it. And then you deliver on a silver plate this huge military victory for Israel, this Philistine giant, and you've slain him. And everybody, the ladies are all chanting your name. And then you have to go and bend the knee to Saul and watch that guy bumble his way through being the king of the country that God promised to you. That's got to be a pretty frustrating experience. That's got to be a pretty difficult in-between. And yet, David did it in his exemplary fashion. He honored God with his in-between. And that's what we're going to study for this series. Now, I want to say up front that there's a huge difference between David's in-between and ours. Because as I was studying for the series, I thought, oh my gosh, these people are going to think that I think I'm David and that Ashley Saul. That's not true at all. All right, that's, uh, this is not what I'm getting at. David's predecessor was this incredibly flawed, horrible guy, Saul. Whereas I get to follow a faithful man of God who led this congregation well for 11 years. So I'm incredibly grateful for Ashley's leadership and his legacy at this church. And I don't want to make it seem like I think that I'm David and Ashley Saul one bit. In fact, if there's anybody that I find myself identifying with in my tendencies for my in-betweens, it's probably Saul. We'll talk about that a little bit later. So the next few weeks, we're going to spend our time in David's story, in this in-between period, between the time that he killed Goliath and he became king. And we're going to look at how uh, some lessons of how we can handle our in-betweens a little bit better. And we're going to start with 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 16. Now, the, the, the last thing that happened was that David had killed Goliath. So he's fresh off of his kill of Goliath when, when our scripture picks up today. Here's what it says. When David had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was bound to the soul of David. That Jonathan loved him as his own soul. 
Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that he was wearing and gave it to David in his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. As a result, Saul set him over the army. And all the people, even the servants of Saul, approved. As they were coming home, when David returned from killing the Philistine, the women came out of all the towns of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they made merry, Saul has killed his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Saul was very angry, for this saying displeased him. He said, They've ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they've ascribed thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day, an evil spirit from God rushed upon Saul, who raved within his house, while David was playing the lyre as he did day by day. Saul had a spear in his hand, and Saul threw the spear, for he thought, I'm going to pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David, because the Lord was with him, but he had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand. And David marched out and came in, leading the army. David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. When Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in awe of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, for it was he who marched out and came in leading them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we can see in this passage, we've got two men living in this in-between space. And a really great contrast between them. We're going to start with Saul. Saul just could not handle this transition, could he? He couldn't handle this in-between. Here he was, the presence of God has departed from him. And he knew he wasn't long for the monarchy. Here comes this young punk who thinks he knows everything. He's clearly got the Spirit of God with him. He defeats the Goliath, and all the ladies in the kingdom can't stop talking about how great David is, especially when compared directly with Saul. That can't just aid at it. Saul's killed his thousands, but David's killed his ten thousands. Not only that, but Saul's family has fallen all over David. Jonathan is falling over himself trying to be David's friend, giving him his clothes, giving him his armor, giving him his sword. All Saul's daughters are in love with David. The next passage, David marries one of, um, one of Saul's daughters, in fact. No matter how many life-threatening battles Saul sends David out to try and get him killed, David just won't die. In fact, he succeeds in spectacular ways that make him even more legendary and popular with all the people. <coughs> Excuse me. Not only that, Saul gets this evil spirit over him, he tries to kill David himself personally, and he still can't shoot straight enough to pin David to the wall. And David... The worst part is that David, in the midst of all of this, won't even give Saul a reason to punish him. 
Saul's throwing spears at him. Saul's sending him on these dangerous missions. David won't take a step out of line. The kid's too good. He's too impressive. He's too squeaky clean. The spirit of God's all over him. Saul was in between his disgrace and his downfall. He's already fallen out of grace with God. Already hardened his unrepentant heart. Now he's just waiting for the consequences to come. And rather than see that the problem was him, was his hard heart, that he might need to change his ways to salvage his reign, he looks on the outside. No, it can't possibly be me that's the problem. It's this kid, David. He's trying to take the kingdom from me. You see... Saul could feel the control that he once had over his life just slipping through his fingers. I can relate to that. Can't you? Have you ever been in a situation where you just felt like you were out of control? And then rather than trust God in that situation and live with some humility, Saul tried to wrestle control back. He tried to to get control over his life with everything he had, whether or not God was in it. So Saul lived in envy and fear. He's living in this in-between, determined to keep his stranglehold on everything that he already had, and he's just failing at it. He couldn't handle the uncertainty of it. He couldn't trust God to take care of him. He couldn't trust God to lead his country well. And so, in his attempt to wrestle control back into his own hands, his in-between was characterized by mistrust, greed, and fear. And it literally drove him crazy. And he used all these attempts to try to control David, to try to control the situation. First, he kept him close by, kept him in the house, then he lashed out in anger, tried to distract himself with music. Then he schemed that David killed. All this is an attempt to control what's out of his control, ultimately. I told you earlier that I feel like I relate to solve my in-between, and that's true. So often, the times where I face uncertainty, I find myself wrestling for control trying to, to just control any, any little thing that I can control. Or I lash out at the people that don't deserve it. Or I scheme, or I stress me, or I do anything that makes me feel like I can control the uncontrollable. And that's what Saul did with his in-between. In his attempt to, to mitigate this uncertainty, he, he just went all in on trying to control his situation, and it didn't work. But compare that with David. David lived his in-between with honor. Despite the fact that he had this anointing from God to be king, he respected Saul. He refused to stage a coup against Saul but fought every battle 
played every lyre, obeyed every command that Saul gave him. Because the thing that characterized David's in-between was the presence of the Spirit of God in his life. It was the fact that God was with him. He knew that God was on his side, working for him. And he knew that that fact meant that he didn't have to work in his own power to control things. He didn't have to work in his own power, using his own schemes to try to take the throne. He knew that in God's time, God would deliver it for him. So he could afford to be patient. He could afford to honor Saul. He could afford to be obedient. Because he knew that the thing that God promised him was coming. Because it was God. And so he was content to live in this in-between as long as God called him to. David lived his life during this time confident in God's calling on his life. And confident in God's ability to bring that calling to fruition. He didn't have to rush it. The presence of the Spirit of God is the big difference between David and Saul. The presence of God had departed Saul, but the presence of God was with David. The fact is, all of us live in between something. It's what the theologians call the already-not-yet tension. We have already received victory over sin and death through Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross. But the completion of that victory hasn't come yet. We already have Jesus living in our hearts, but he hasn't returned for his second coming yet. We're in between the first and second coming of Jesus. And it can be hard. It can be difficult to be in that place sometimes. But here's what we can learn about how we can live in our in-between from David. The first is that we have got to wait for God for our next thing. We have been, may have been promised a future victory. We may have been promised future goodness. But we can't be impatient for it. God works on a different schedule than we do. And we just cannot rush Him. We know that if Jesus is present with us in our lives, then we can wait for the good things that we have promised, just like David did. As long as God is with us, we can face an uncertain future with confidence because we know that he works all things together for the good of those who love him. Right? So uncertainty should not phase us. We can afford to be patient. The presence of God is what gives us that patience because it's, it gives us the supernatural confidence. We can do everything right. We can try to maneuver and control and work things out of our favor. But if the presence of God, the Spirit of God, isn't in it, then we're never going to have a successful in-between. Like David, we need to be confident that the God we serve, the God who has called us, to what he's called us to is going to bring us through it in his own time. We need to wait for God for our next thing. That's the first thing. 
The second thing we're going to learn is that we cannot wait until we arrive to start practicing obedience. Well, David waited for God's timing to become king. He didn't just sit around and say, well, I guess one day when God makes me king, then I'll start doing the right thing. Then I'll start serving God. Then I'll start doing fighting God's battles. No. He went out and he fought God's battles. He was living in obedience to the Saul who was the king. He was honoring God all over the place. So while we have to wait for God's timing, we can be certain that the the right timing to live in obedience is always now. Obedience doesn't have to wait. So often, we want to use waiting as an excuse. Right? After I, <clears throat> after I get to my next place, then I'll start obeying. After I just get through this busy season, then I'll start having a quiet time. After I get this next raise, then I'll be able to afford to be generous with my giving. After my kids get a little older and then do, can do things for themselves, then I'll have time to volunteer. And on and on and on. But that's just not how things work. God doesn't call us to wait until we arrive to start being obedient. God calls us to obedience here and now along the way. We have to wait on God's timing for a lot of stuff. But we never have to wait on God to start obeying God. Obedience is a now thing. There's no question of that. that. That brings us to our last thing. We've got to wait on God for His timing. We've got to obey during the in-between. But the third thing is that God has given you the gift of the moment that you're in. It's tempting when we're in our in-betweens to always be looking forward to what's next. And while God calls us to hope for what's next, He's given us the gift of now. There are things He wants you to do in the in-between. There are things that He wants to teach you in your in-between. There's a reason that He has you in an in-between time. That he didn't just move you on to the next thing right away. We can't let ambition or impatience rob us of being able to look around and be in the moment that God has given us. That's what I admire so much about David. He wholeheartedly served God for each moment in his in-between. He wholeheartedly looked around and said, what is God calling me to do right now? He knows that the kingdom is coming. He knows that the throne is coming. But until I get there, I'm going to serve God today. And God blessed him for it. We can get so busy looking at what's next that we forget the gift of the moment God has given us. We want to have our in-betweens characterized by the presence of God. So we need to receive the gift of this moment, where God is right now, what God is calling us to right now. David wasn't a perfect man. He was deeply flawed. He made some horrible mistakes, especially later in his life. But the Bible does say that 
that David was a man after God's own heart. He enjoyed the presence of God in his life, in his reign, in his ministry. So let's make a commitment to dive into our in-betweens, just like David did. By being obedient, by being patient, by being faithful, even as we look forward to what God's going to bring next. I'm looking forward to a day when you and I get to joke like old friends. I'm looking forward to sharing in your joys and your sorrows as your pastor. And I'm committed to loving this church and this congregation in the promise that we'll get there soon. And during this in-between transition time, let's work together to accept that every day is a gift from God. Every day brings a new calling. And that we get to love God and love each other to the best of our ability each day. I look forward to what God's going to do in our midst at Garden City as your pastor. I look forward to spending years with you guys, to getting to know you. And until that happens, let's serve God each day in our in-between. Let's pray. Father, you've given us the gift of today. God, there's so much going on today. It's Father's Day. We're honoring fathers. We're, we're loving these graduates. And God, we are we're getting to know each other. Father, I thank you that these transitions are leading to something great. I trust they're leading to something great. And in this middle time, in this in-between, I pray that you will inspire us to greater obedience, to faithfulness. Jesus, help us to look around and to pay attention to what you're calling us to do. And to do it with joyful obedience. Be with us, God. Send your spirit to, to pour down over us in this church. In your name I pray, amen.